Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Yeah, we sports hockey podcast. Justin Cuthbert hanging out with you after the fifth and final act of the Battle of Alberta. Uh, we can cry because it's over, because it was legendary. But damn, we need to smile because it happened. Because it was legendary. And of course, the Edmonton Oilers won it, assuming provincial bragging rights for as long as these two wait to meet each other again on the postseason stage. The Oilers won it with four straight victories capped off by an overtime winner off the stick of guess who? Well, you know it already, Connor McDavid. And you know it had to be Connor McDavid. There was no way with a trip to the Western Conference final on the line that McDavid would be held pointless in a game that had eight goals scored to that point and would guarantee nine as these two teams went at it in bonus hockey. He was, and I'm using his words, bad on the night. And I, well, I wouldn't really go that far, uh, but he certainly didn't look like the player throughout game five that he did in the previous four games, which was a dominant, dominant, unstoppable force. But on his worst night, at least in this series, he delivered the greatest moment he's had as a professional lifting the Oilers to the, to the Western Conference Final with his overtime winner, celebrating at center ice. Uh, it was a truly great moment for Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers franchise. Now, this was the expectation of this team, right? To compete in Western Conference Finals, to go to Stanley Cup Finals and win championships. But it wasn't really the expectation of this team this year and as we prepared for these playoffs. So now... The team that had all these expectations has a chance to exceed our expectations and maybe win the damn thing. And if they do win the damn thing, boy, will the freezing takes team be busy then because the takes that we have heard throughout the season on the likes of Ken Holland and Mike Smith and Duncan Keith, uh, there are a lot of them. So it should be interesting to see what happens then. I do think when breaking down this series, it's important to identify the top three reasons why the Oilers won, because there was so much happening, feverish goal scoring, lots of action, lots of things went down. So to, in order to cover off the important moments here, let's go listicle style and just rank the most important three, three things and three reasons why the Oilers did win this series. And spoiler, none of them are because Blake Coleman's disallowed goal scored late in game five. Uh, changed the way the series was going to go. Yeah. Number three, the Chris Tanev injury. Uh, he gave the Flames all he could, honestly, 
uh, in his return in game four and game five, he did kind of alter things in the favor of the flames uh, in the final five periods where he wasn't either absent or clearly laboring. The flames kind of had the better share of it. Um, most importantly, they had something to slow down Edmonton's top scoring lines, because even if Chris Tanev's shoulder was clearly hurt and he didn't want to take a hit, the leg still worked and he could still skate with those players. And he gave the flames something to build on from a defensive standpoint. He saw big minutes uh, against all the top Oilers players in game five. And those games clearly looked different than the previous three without him. And game four was kind of weird because he was dealing with the shoulder injury early and seemed to find some sort of solution midway through. And I don't know what happened there. I won't speculate, but Tanev looked better as he grew into the series. There was basically no resistance from the Calgary defensive core without Tanner. Uh, they couldn't skate uh, with the Oilers when Michael Stone and Erica Branson and Nikita Zadorov were logging major, major minutes. If they were out there more than half of the game, it was an advantageous spot for the Oilers to be in. And even Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson, who did do a decent job on McDavid uh, in their minutes, at least in game five, they were a different pair without Tanev. Uh, above them as well. I mean, it, it really was a trickle-down effect once Tanev got in, but it was too little too late. If if Calgary's best defenseman was healthy in this series, I think it potentially could be different. And listen, he had an impact while he was injured. If he was fully healthy, maybe things would have been a lot different. Um, but the fact of the matter is that one of Calgary's most important players was absent through most of the series, and it did f- affect the series a great deal. Number two, uh, pretty simple. Mike Smith was better than Jacob Markstrom. Now, let's get one thing clear. Mike Smith is an absolute terror for anyone cheering for the Oilers. He gave up some absolutely brutal goals in the series. He made some awful decisions with the puck, some that cost the Oilers, others that didn't. But more so than all of that, he's the sort of goaltender who is constantly fighting off the puck. Like with every save, He's fighting it off. And like when broadcasters say he fought that off, it's because, you know, there's a tip or a deflection or something that pulls the situation out of the norm. Something else outside of that forced an adjustment from that netminder. But Mike Smith makes saves in that condition almost exclusively. He makes things look way harder than they need to be. And yet, despite that, like, flaw in his game, Uh, He was better than his Vezina-nominated counterpart throughout the balance of the series. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened to Jacob Markstrom other than one of the best collections of forwards started to get theirs in the series, but he was nothing in round two like he was in round one or over the course of the entire season, for that matter. He looked vulnerable. He gave up some horrific goals. He gave the puck away, too. There were moments in that series where goals were being scored at just this reckless abandon, like Smith looked vulnerable. Markstrom looked vulnerable and it's not characteristic of a Calgary team to allow the conditions of a game to get that loose. They lean on their goaltender to make saves, to protect leads, to protect momentum, to protect the energy within their team and inside their building sometimes. But Markstrom just could not come up with those saves enough. And when the game States did stray away from the norm in those feverish moments, it clearly benefited Edmonton. I mean, Calgary was locking down the Oilers early in game five. And then there was that flurry of goals. The fastest four, I think, in Stanley Cup playoff history, four goals in 71 seconds. 
And all of a sudden, the Oilers are in it again, even though they gave up some during that flurry, because they're the team more comfortable within that chaos, at least it seemed in this series. But the number one reason, it probably shouldn't be much of a surprise. Edmonton's superstars are superstars. Listen, there's talent on both sides. I had a heart, I had a top three heart trophy vote on a player from each team in this series. But what McDavid and Dreisaitl did vastly, vastly exceeded what Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk could muster for Calgary. Uh, and even in the rung below that, the Canes, the Hymans, the Nugent Hopkinses of Edmonton, they were so much better than Elias Lindholm, Mikhail Backlund, Tyler Toffoli was awful in the series. Andrew Mangiapane, like the supporting cast for Edmonton was better too. This was an epic and record-breaking performance from McDavid and Dreisaitl and a regrettable one, I think, for Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. And despite who scored the winner and who, despite who leads the postseason in scoring and despite, you know, one of them having one hand on the Conn Smythe trophy, if it's not too early for that, McDavid was the second best player in the series, which says something about the talent that Edmonton has. He was behind Dreisaitl in this series and he had the excuses that maybe Kachuk has because he looked a little banged up. I'm not going to speculate, but there's got to be a reason why he was not as impactful as he should have been. But Dreisaitl, despite dealing with a high ankle sprain and not being right, adapted his game and dominated the game with skills, smarts, distribution of the puck. And just when there was nothing else, just find a way to get the puck into the hands of Connor McDavid. That's what he did so, so well. Uh, and within that, he dominated the series. He's not moving the way he should, but it isn't the way he needs to, clearly, because on one leg, he managed to be the single most powerful force, I think, in the series. He scored the third most points ever in a series. If it went to seven, he would have had the record, no doubt. He was only two points behind, I think, Rick Middleton in a seven-game series in 1983 with his 17 points, 17 points in five games. He had at least three assists in every game. More often than not, he had four. He had 15 assists on the 25 goals that the Edmonton Oilers scored in the series. He had two goals himself. Dreisaitl was incredible. And within the context of having a high ankle sprain, which is a tough, tough injury to deal with for hockey players specifically, what he did was nothing short of legendary. Uh, a bo bonus reason, I guess, I think goes to the difference between the coaches. I think we got to give all the credit in the world to Jay Woodcroft for outcoaching Daryl Sutter. And I'm not, I didn't add this as one of the points because I don't really know the exact adjustments and tactics he went with. Surely we don't know the, even the slightest extent of what's being talked about behind closed doors, but he's made a name for himself. This series, he was more composed. He inspired his group. Clearly he looked like the Jack Adams winner in this series. Uh, big, big, big performance from everyone on the Oilers, including their head coach, Jay Woodcroft. Quickly on the disallowed goal from Coleman. Um, what's most frustrating, I think, obviously for the Flames, is the moment in which this happened. Also the context of having, uh, you know, a history where they should have won the Stanley Cup on a goal that crossed the goal line, but there wasn't proper video review at the time, just 15, 16 years ago. But the real problem for the NHL is the lack of consistency when it comes to distinct kicking motion. I mean, we saw goals over the course of the regular season far worse or far more blatant in terms of 
what should constitute a kick stand. We saw similar ones also stand. We saw others called back all over the course of the regular season. There was really no consistency here. So it's pretty clear that something has to be written into the rule book about this. And I think really the easiest solution is this. If the skate is lifted up and used to propel the puck into the net, it's no goal. If the skate stays planted, so either angled, pushed in with momentum, et cetera, it should count. And under that ruling, Coleman's goal would count because he just kind of stopped into the puck and pushed pushed it over the goal line. But there's also one thing that's very obvious to me. Coleman put his skate on the puck with the intention of depositing it into the net. And I guess by that loose definition, or if you can call it a definition, it's a reasonable call. I thought it was an impossible call in the moment because it wasn't distinct. It was going in anyway, and it might have meant the, the flame season, and it, and it ended up did meaning the flame season. But I don't buy the, you know, he was protecting himself or it was incidental argument. He meant to do what he did, and he disguised it pretty well, or the situation allowed for him to feign uh, something that wasn't that was less than a kick, I guess. But I mean, it was put into the back of the net by a skate, and it was intentional. So under that, I can't be too mad about it. Uh, Edmonton will move on to meet either the Abs or Blues in the next round after that Central Division final was forced to a sixth game after an epic collapse by the Colorado Avalanche in game five on home ice. Uh, St. Louis scored in what the final five or six minutes twice to uh, erase leads, uh, including erasure of one of the single greatest moments of the postseason when Nathan McKinnon, who has taken these losses Colorado's had in recent seasons so personally in the past, decided it wasn't going down like that, went end-to-end, scored the goal of the playoffs to put the Avalanche up front with a hat trick. But after that, the Avs, the arena, everything, it just looked like they were, okay, they just, we're going to win on that storybook ending. And we don't have to do anything after that. Uh, The defending with St. Louis, uh, deploying an extra attacker was lazy. It was shoddy. It was horrific, really, with St. Louis pressing for that tying goal. The second time, Robert Thomas put it in and Tyler Bozak scored in overtime. Now, I was ready to publish a piece basically ripping the Blues for taking their eye off the ball, even if it was just momentarily there in game four, and caring more about Nazem Kadri and revenge than they were the entire, the, the entire Avalanche team and defeating a juggernaut like Colorado. And I still may do it if it ends in six. Because... The St. Louis Blues are right in this series. And it's very possible that losing their focus, albeit momentarily, just, is the difference in them advancing or going home. You need everything, including undivided attention, to beat the Colorado Avalanche, or at least I think. And for a moment, they were more concerned about something else. And I still expect it to cost them. And it might hurt even worse because they are so close to being not the better team, but the winning team in this series. Uh, Finally, Carolina kept it rolling on home ice, winning its seventh in a row to start the postseason and reestablishing their lead for a second time over the New York Rangers in the Metropolitan Division final. I'm not surprised that Carolina has such success at home because they clearly have the best soundtrack or DJ in the NHL. It seems like it's always rocking there, uh, so I give them credit for that. 
Uh, but this was Carolina's best game, at least for the Rangers. Uh, they look like they put it all together. And yet a video review went a long way in deciding, you know, the game script or writing that game script. And it was still very close. It may not matter again, that Carolina can't reproduce its form on the road and they lose game six because they're going to go home and they're going to have a chance to win it again on home ice. But if this run would end after whiffing on six straight chances to take control of a series with a road victory, game seven in the second round would be the time. I think the Hurricanes need to end this in game six or at least show some of what they've managed to produce at home because eventually you can't play this game anymore. You can't play the win at home concede on the road game for too long in the Stanley cup playoffs before it bites you in the ass. Uh, just two series remaining. The Tampa Bay lighting at Edmonton Oilers are on to the conference finals. And of course, two more teams need to punch their tickets. We'll be back to wrap up what should be a great weekend in the NHL on Sunday with Julian McKenzie for now. That is it on the Iowa sports hockey podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.